highlights, Jerry Fall, and the Player of the Week draft from the Bakersfield series. That's all next on the Gouch Nine Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Kyle's Kitchen, proud supporters of UCSB Baseball. Check them out in Santa Barbara or Goleta. Go get a burger, go get some fries, an adult beverage, uh, bring the fam. It's a great time out always at Kyle's Kitchen. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one-strike pitch, and Mitchell belts this to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly, and Curley pulls back the home run, and the Gauchos are going to win the game. Gauchos are going to Omaha, can you believe it? Borgonio is back. He's going to turn and watch this one fly, a two-run homer for Clausen. And the score is two. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. Willits will make the catch. And the Gauchos are 2022 Big West champions. Two balls, two strikes. Here to Bahanda McConnell. Runner goes from second, and it's through Parker. It gets away. Here comes the runner, Stancato to the plate. Gutierrez drops the tag in, and they get the third out here at home plate. Nice work by Parker to scramble and find it. Aggressive base running early by the Roadrunners. And the Gauchos play catch. Might have been a cross up there between Gutierrez and Parker. Runner at third here. Payoff pitch again is a capper. Off the mound, Karam's in the air to Nunez. Gloves, and he throws to first. <laughs> a capper, it hit the plant area right in the center of the mound where the, the pitcher plants his foot and it altered the direction of the ball. It caromed in the air over to Nunez who was charging in from his position and he caught it and threw to first. And that gets the Gauchos out of the fifth inning. There have been some strange plays in this game so far and it's nothing, nothing as we go to the bottom of the fifth. Heard him, uh, if you're a, a listener of the podcast, you heard him multiple times. So. Beating over, first pitch to Darby. Hammered to right field, high and deep. You can kiss this one goodbye into the power plant. It's a three-run homer for Darby. And just like that, the Gauchos take a three-to-nothing lead here in the seventh inning. 104 off the bat. That's at least 440. Sorry, 108. Uh, what's, you got a distance on that? 434. I'm... I mean, into the power plant, over the pine tree. Polly and Hawaii tied at zero. That's in the fourth inning. As Bredauer hammers it high and deep to left field, will it hit the light tower? Yes, it will. <laughs> it caroms off the light tower above the scoreboard. A couple of big home runs here tonight for the Gauchos in the late innings, and they lead it four to nothing. I mean, I mean, what, what more can you say? I, I mean, it hit the the light tower just below where the lights are, out there right above the scoreboard in left field. I mean, Ivan's home runs continue to be more and more impressive with each one. Third baseman Casper, even with the bag. And Palmera holding Curtly at first. Here is a bunt by Williams. He pushes it past the pitcher, and the second baseman, Salas, got no play. Great bunt by Williams as he got it past Uloa. And once that happened, it was going to be a tough ask for Salas to get it to first base. So bunt single, Williams, an RBI, and it's 5-0 on an error at the end of the game, as did Hawaii, who won 1-0 in San Luis Obispo in extra innings, as Kirtley hits it high and deep to left. Bell is looking up. He's going to turn and watch this one fly. That one almost hits the light tower, unless it's just optics. But Kirtley with a high home run to give the Gouches a 2-0 lead here in the first. 6-3, and he lines one to right, sinking. Bredauer comes in, goes to a little slide and makes the catch. Nice and tidy for Bredauer and right. Nice and tidy on the hill for Ager, who has retired the first nine batters that he has seen today. 
2-0 Santa Barbara will go to the bottom of the third. Set here, looks at second, and the payoff pitch to McCollum is hammered into left field, a base hit. It's down towards the corner, so Sundstrom will score easily. Latre with a couple of sharp singles to left field. He's got an RBI, and it's 4-1 to one for Matt Ager. And there's two down here for Bahanda McConnell. And he swings at the first pitch, hits a slow roll to the third baseline. Ager, bare hand, off bounce, throw to first, and they get him. <laughs> Great play by Matt Ager. The bare hand and the fall away throw with the strong arm to first, and that's a 1-2-3. Seventh inning for the true sophomore who makes a nice play and does it all in the seventh. One-two pitch, changeup, hits softly, out into right field, coming in, Bredauer goes into a dive. Did he make the catch? Yes, he did. A diving catch by Ivan Bredauer secures the win for the Gauchos. And then there's games where there's less traffic, but you hit a homer and a couple of doubles to score runs. Here's a soft liner, left center field, a base hit by Mortensen. That's going to get the Gounces on the board. Darby will score easily from second base. So Brock Mortensen with a base hit. And a decent response here in the bottom of the first for Santa Barbara as they draw within two. Last of the third inning, Xander Darby leads off here for Santa Barbara. Against the starter, Jeter Schuerman for Bakersfield. Two hits and a run for the Gauchos. It was an RBI single by Mortensen as Darby hammers this to deep right field. Miller looking up. He's going to watch it fly. A home run for Darby, his second of the series. And that drives the Gauchos within one. Schuerman, the windup. 2-2 in the air left field. That's going to push Casper back. He's at the wall. He leaps and he runs into the wall. It's over the fence for a homer. And Brock Mortensen ties things up at three. Third home run for Brock Mortensen. As he uses the wind and puts it over the wall and left. Two balls, no strikes. The pitch. Runner goes and it's hammered to left. Moving back curtly. And he leaps, he makes the catch at the wall. Hustling back to first is Miller. He's going to make it currently with a great read off the bat. So 0-1. Palmera, the first baseman in on the grass. Carrada creeping towards his base. Newman wants to bunt this to third, and he does. It's up the third baseline. Will it stay fair? Yes, it's going to stay fair. I'll take that. Thank you very much. It didn't go across the line. It stayed on the paint. And it's an infield single for Newman. And that loads the bases with nobody out. Two and one the count. 4-4 game, last of the ninth. Bases loaded, nobody out for the Gauchos. Here's the pitch. And it's a line drive, base hit right field. Here comes Williams. He's going to score. And UC Santa Barbara walks it off here on this Sunday afternoon. Ivan Bredauer with a walk-off single. <laughs> As they storm, Bredauer, who gets away from the crowd, now they're celebrating at shortstop. He is Jerry Fall. Voice of the Gauchos. Along with you. Al along with me. And uh, we're, we've done this the last couple of years, like partway through the season. We get a, an update on, on your perspective on the Gauchos. Gauchos 15-3. Mm -hmm. and three. They've won 10 games in a row, so we're 18 games through the season. That's about a quarter of the way, mm -hmm. a third of the way, somewhere in there. But uh, it's nice to talk to a fellow media member. Yes. Because I talk to you too. Because it's it's a different type of conversation, as opposed to talking to a coach or talking to a player. It's just different because we have different perspective. We have different perspective because yeah. we we sit up here behind our table with our computers and mm -hmm. and headsets on our head and mm -hmm. yep. we we try not to speculate as much as we can. We right. We don't <laughs> want to speculate too much. We try and call it as we see it. But right. Uh, 
Wait, what year is this for you calling Gaucho baseball games? Eleventh, eleventh year. Really? I think maybe maybe more than that. What year did I've you lost track? We started this stream seven years ago. Yeah. And I think I was doing it for four years before that. I think. What about just being involved with calling Gaucho games in since nineteen ninety eight? Nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Okay. Is when you basketball is when you got here. I got right. here in 95. 1995. But then Randy Lee was doing the games, and then he left um, to take another job, and so then they hired me. Yeah. Good hire. <laughs> pretty well, pretty good hire, <laughs> right? You too, and I'm not just blowing sunshine. I mean, you <laughs> do a great job, and I love your field, and it's all... And I'm glad you came back. Glad you came back. You know, it's... So is everybody else. Every day I come to the yard... I am ecstatic. Yeah. And that's that's not sugarcoating anything. It's just I'm so happy to be back. And, yep. And so yep. I hope I hope people can hear that in my voice when I'm calling the games. So Oh sure. Sometimes because sometimes when I get up here it's all right, take a deep breath. You're working on the field. <laughs> now it's time for baseball. Yeah. <laughs> now it's time to talk about it. So yeah. that's probably your most relaxing part of the day, I would think, calling the games. It's the best part of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're out there with the rakes and you're out there with your other equipment and and uh, boy, doesn't that sound good? The ball hitting the bat. It does sound good. Yeah. I. How do you feel about wood bats? I love them. Right? I wish we had them in college. It's right? just too expensive. Yeah, we'd go through a lot of broken bats, yeah. wouldn't we? Yeah. But I love them. I love the crack of the bat. Well, yeah, we'll, the wood bat. We're hanging. We're hanging out here. We're at the ballpark. It's Monday. Uh, Gotchas are doing some live hitters on the field for. Guys that didn't get to pitch on the weekend, and we'll, we'll start talking about the weekend, the sweep of Cal State Bakersfield here at home, and it was a, it was a well-pitched series, particularly by Santa Barbara, because there were no walks issued mm-hmm. by Santa Barbara pitching on Friday and Saturday, mm-hmm. and they only used four pitchers, so it was a well-rested pen on Sunday, and that wound up being a key factor in the games. You got to see three true freshmen pitch mm-hmm. on sat on Sunday, which was something that we've grown accustomed to seeing already uh, with this Gaucho pitching staff. But 18 games through the season, what has impressed you the most uh, from this team? You know, that's a really good question. I would say the pitching because – and the hitting is great. I mean, Ferg does a great job with the the offense, but the pitching has just been – I mean, Hudson Barrett, are you kidding me? This guy throws so hard. He's so big. And – He's got a really good changeup too, but I love, I love watching, you know, these pitchers just dominate hitters, and I thought they, uh, I just thought they did a great job over the weekend. I really did. I mean, Bakersfield, you know, they're struggling, and they played a tough schedule though. I mean, especially the last three weeks playing mm-hmm. Stanford, Ohio State, and the Gauchos, but still, I mean, there are some guys who can hit, and Saldivar, their catcher, is on the. Buster Posey watch list for a good reason. He's really good. and uh, But I, I just think that the pitching, like you said, Kevin, they, they didn't walk anybody Friday and Saturday. And if I don't care who you're playing. If you don't walk anybody, you really give yourself a chance to win. 100%. And I think there were two walks on Sunday. And coaches were all over the zone. You mentioned mm-hmm. Hudson Barrett. So Hudson, true freshman, eight appearances, 1-0 record, three saves, 1.17 ERA. 15 and a third innings and he's pitched some in some big spots mm-hmm. uh, already this season you think about uh, that Oregon game where Gauchos are going for the sweep and he's got a two-run lead he's got the tying run at first base with one out in the cold on the road first like real high pressure situation he gets it done yeah and then yesterday comes in on Sunday in a in a tie game Mm-hmm. Right, I'm pretty sure he came in and was a tie game because Mooring and Bremner went six, so Hudson came in in seventh. It's four four game, and you know Bakersfield's here to play, and they want to get out of here with a win. And Hudson pitching for the second time on the weekend is just nails. So Absolutely. I think he hit it right on the head with and, Hudson. And we were kicking the ball all over the yard yesterday with five errors, so they had there was that component to it also where the Gauchos, you know, in atypical fashion, didn't didn't um, field the ball very well but I think that adds more pressure to a pitcher when I mean Hudson knows that it's it's not the best day with the gloves and so maybe pitchers tend to press a little bit more and have to you know they feel like they have to do more um, 
and he just stayed composed and he doesn't you know if you show up at the at the ballpark and you watch him pitch and you don't know anything about him you'd swear he's a junior or a senior because he's so good and he's so composed out there and he just just lights out i mean the guy's impressive but mooring's impressive remner you know they're, they're all impressive so what about the veterans we you brought up the pitching. I think the pitching is a good place to start because 2.64 ERA. The updated stats aren't out just yet for the weekend, but heading into the weekend, the Gauchos had a top 15 team ERA, and they lowered that by 0. .20 points, something like that, over the weekend. So 2.64 mm-hmm. going into this next weekend series with CSUN, and that's I'm, I think it could be top 10 in the country. Mm-hmm. And so it should be. So how about how about the veteran guys? I mean, Mike Gutierrez. He's been sensational. Yeah, he's, you know, and he he's he's another guy who commands the strike zone. Kevin, that changeup of his, we've, I mentioned it to Bob Bronson, but we've seen, particularly left-handers, come through Andrew Checkett's program with great great changeups, and Gutierrez is another one. I mean, he he's not overpowering, right? I mean, he's high eighties, maybe will touch ninety, but. Um, that changeup, I think it's so good. I think he could tell hitters it's coming, and they still can't hit it. It you feels know? like that sometimes. Yeah, he'll throw it two times in a row, and then Absolutely. yeah, guess what's coming? Absolutely. And uh, no, he's just one of a number of veteran players. I think on this team, um, you know, getting off pitching for a second, you look at at, at uh, I mean, the, the stud of studs is Brett Hour right now. I mean, he hits the light pole out there, you know, the other day, and I. I don't know where that ball would have landed had it not hit the light pole, but we you brought up a great comparison, Chris Bryant. Well, don't get ahead of yourself because I want to ask the light tower power question. Okay, but, the, I, but I look at Aaron Parker, who didn't play that much last year, and uh-huh. look at how great he is yeah. this year. Yeah. And, I mean, he, he chokes up on the bat. He hits for power. He's, you know, he sprays the ball all over the yard. I know they want him to probably hit a little bit more to right field than he does, but I think he's getting there. And, I, you know... You look at guys like him, Nick Oakley out there. Nick's, you know, struggling a little bit with the bat. I think that'll come around. But I love, you know, on the youth side of it, I love Corey Nunez. I think they knew the glove was going to be there the whole time, but I don't think you guys knew that that bat was going to show up. The 306 average is is a pleasant surprise. Yes. So when you ask me what stands out the most, it's a tough question because the pitching as a whole stands out the most to me. But guys like Ivan Bredauer, I mean, this is a – an absolute stud. there is there is there is a lot of flash flash maybe i don't i don't like the word flash but because of all the home runs the guys have hit they've hit 27 home runs through yeah. 18 games and they're slugging 483 xander darby's another one too and, and z great yeah z a doubles that's that's top 20 top 30 uh, in the nation with with his a doubles and he had two big home runs mm-hmm. this weekend and like the home runs and the doubles they will stand out and because like some of the themes of, the, of these podcasts, I talked to Dylan last week, and I started off the pod with saying like, you know, I've I've waited a few weeks to talk about the pitching because pitching is so good, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to keep it a secret, uh, you know, in a jo- <laughs> in a joking manner, because like, yes, we see home runs and we see doubles and we see and we see runs being scored and like that's what you see on the highlight tape, and it's it's fun to watch. And the pitchers do get a reel that uh, the analytics crew clips up of, you know, all the best pitches of the weekend and mm-hmm. sequencing and strikeouts and swings and misses. We don't necessarily see that, uh, you know, out in the ether. And so I kind of wanted to keep it a secret. Yeah. Obviously, obviously everybody knows. That's a joke. Is right. Everybody knows that, all right, guys just have a good pitching staff. Like, they're back. And this, the way it's shaping up when you have, you got Gutierrez on, on the mound pitching on Fridays, the lefty with the good changeup, very reminiscent of Rod Boone mm-hmm. from, from a couple years ago. And then you got Absolutely. Matt Ager, who's out there pitching on Saturdays, who's just lighting it up. He's in the low to mid-90s. He's got a good slider. And Shane Bieber is, yeah, a, is a tough one. comparison. Yeah, because, but Ager's great. But Ager's been great. And so you have a stud right-hander. And then you've got guys like Carter Benbrook and Hudson mm-hmm. Barrett. Lefties coming out of the pen like Kyle Nelson. Yep. I don't know. And, you know, not quite a flamethrower like dylan tate mm-hmm. but can you can we start the conversation about comparing this staff with the 2015 staff yeah absolutely absolutely because uh, i mean you've got you've got a lot of comparisons i think 
mm-hmm. don't you? I, I think they're that 2015 team that made it to Lake Elsinore. You know, that was a host site for the Gauchos. Um, but you had, you know, you had Bieber, you had Tate, you had, you know, just all these Nelson Ma- Mazza, another changeup. Dom, Dom Mazza mm-hmm. with that Bugs Bunny changeup. Um, you know, and and you had just these studs out there, and I mean, I thought in 2015 in the opening. Uh, I think it was the opening game where we lost to San Diego State when they yep. stole home. Yep. Dylan, I thought, pitched, you know, I mean, he was throwing hard that game. I thought he pitched really well in that game. I did too. And I think San Diego State knew that they couldn't hit him, so that's why they tried to steal home, and they were successful. And if the pitch was a little bit lower, I think, you know, <laughs> we get him out at the plate. Kent Campbell would have dropped the tag in. I, think he, I still think he did. I still think he did, and he he would agree that he definitely got the tag down. But, mm-hmm. you know. It, yeah. But it's, I think it's, it's a good comparison, this this year's staff. I mean, how can you not compare them to those great pitchers and Tate and Bieber in the major leagues now? How can you not compare them to those guys? Because this ERA, like you mentioned, Kev, is, is just, you know, it's rock solid and, and it's one of the best in the nation. And back then, those guys were two of the best in the nation. Mm-hmm. They were. You know? And, and they had, you know, you had, you had three, four quality starters because you went, you, know, you, had, you had Tate. You had Bieber, you had Mazza. Like mm-hmm. it was any game you go out there, you feel like you get a chance to win because of who's standing on the mound. And you felt like that. You felt like that in 2019 as well, and you felt like that in in 21 and 22 when you got guys like McGreevy and Boone and mm-hmm. Lewis and Lewis. Brecht and Dashwood, like all those guys. <clears throat> and it's just we're just adding names to the list of great pitchers that have towed the rubber mm-hmm. uh, here in Santa Barbara. So yeah. uh, it, it's think, good to start it with the pitching. Yes. Absolutely. I think it's a huge credit to Coach Checkets because he's a pitching guru. I think Dylan Jones has done a wonderful job with these pitchers. You know, I think I just the, those two have just combined to really make these guys understand what it takes to pitch. I mean, you can be a thrower, as you know, Kevin, and you can be a pitcher. And you look at guys like um, – Greg Maddox, you know, early in his career in the major leagues for the Cubs, he threw pretty hard. I mean, he was low to mid-90s. But I think when he became especially great is when he didn't throw that hard, but he had that great changeup. And these guys, I mean, he understood And that two-seam fastball. And that two-seam fastball that looked like a wiffle ball. Uh-huh. But he, un- he got to understand, and he's talked about this at length, what it was like to learn how to pitch. And I think when these guys come here under Coach Checkets and and Coach Jones, they they understand what it takes to pitch. And Hudson Barrett is just lights out right now, but I don't think he's the great pitcher that he's going to be when he's a junior. You know, I think he will have learned so much from these two coaches on how to pitch that he'll just be that much better than he is right now, which is hard to believe that he could be that much better. Well, speaking of a pitch development and growth. How about Matt Ager? Because when he pitched against Xavier, and and I was on the on the broadcast with Bob, he brought up sequencing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're not we're not baseball coaches, but I think part of the the growth is learning how to sequence your pitches. And and Ager, like the, I'm not going to compare Matt Ager to Greg Maddox. I'm not doing mm-hmm. that. I'm not doing that. But. He's learned to use his off-speed to his advantage. He's not just trying to throw it for a strike or throw it to get a, a swing and miss. He's throwing it in different locations. He's throwing it high. He's throwing it low. He's throwing it outside. He's using it in different counts. Like right. Those types of things that you learn your first year and you're pitching out of the pen if you're Matt and transferring that into the starting role. Mm-hmm. And he's really blossomed. I mean, Ager's been brilliant. Uh, 38 strikeouts in 31 innings. He, the... At one point, he had – it was like he was in the top 15 or top 20 in strikeouts in the mm-hmm. season, but, but he's been really fun to watch on Saturdays. Yes. And, like, we can go on and on and on about these pitchers. Uh, Carter Benbrook mm-hmm. coming off arm surgery and pitching out of the pen. I'm so and, happy for him. And he's playing you? with fire. Yeah. 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 And he's he's just – he's another lights-out lefty, mm-hmm. you know. And I just – I love the – the recovery that he's made, I love the progress that he's made because that's got to be so tough, Kevin, to be out for a whole year and you've just had the the arm surgery, you know, the elbow surgery, and he, you know, he was showing great signs when he was here two years ago throwing, 
And he was, you could tell, this is a guy that really <laughs> knows what he's doing. And then the injury comes up. And at that point, you can mentally, I think more than anything, I've never been in that situation, but I would think mentally it can really wear on you when you're out. Because mm -hmm. you know, he knew what he could do. He knew he could do this, what he's doing this year, I think. And not being able to do it has got to be the most frustrating thing in the world when you look at someone like Carter Benbrook or any pitcher who's been through that. Because deep down inside, they know they can compete and they can compete at a very high level. When we had Carter on on the podcast earlier in the year and he I asked him a question regarding that like okay you go down what goes through your head like how do you keep yourself motivated and he said the biggest thing is setting goals and having these many goals and the, the recovery process the trainers and the doctors that do the surgery and help you throughout the process do a great job of setting those goals where it's like okay first is getting the cast off or getting getting out of the brace and then getting to a certain mark in your uh, like external rotation or something mm -hmm. like that where you're you're building to these small little things and so he really adopted that as far as building and building and building and setting these little goals until you're finally on the field you're pitching in, in a live at bat and then you're pitching in a live game and mm -hmm. he said that helped him exponentially throughout the process and I think the you know in, in the pitching world like it's it's almost expected if you're a pitcher, something's going to happen at some point. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I think it's less of a burden now than maybe 10 or 15 years ago where it's like, all right, I know that it might happen, and, but I'm going to be taken care of when it does. Like, yes, right. it's still a bummer. Yeah. It's still a bummer. And you're going to have to shoulder some, some mental fortitude and, and some tough physical stuff to get through it. But there's just that... There's just that knowledge, that thing in the back of your head, and this, it's a negative point because it's like there's so many arm injuries. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm going down a tangent here, but there's so no, many no, arm no. injuries, and it feels like it's just inevitable, and I think pitchers know that, so that when it happens, it's like you take a breath and go, okay, we're going to get through this. Yeah. And Carter did and it. we got to deal with it. Carter did it. Yep, he certainly did, and he's he's incredible. I mean, he's just incredible, He and he reminds me of a – you know, he, he and Hudson Barrett, to me, uh, remind me kind of each other. I mean, Hudson throws a little bit harder, I think, but... Um, but they, they counter each other they, so well they with do. their stuff. Yeah, and their demeanor out there, you know, they're both being left-handed, but their demeanors out there are the are same. Similar. I, yes. Yeah, when they come in from the bullpen, they expect to do the job. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can tell on their body language, their, their body makeup, they expect to do the job. Because we get shots from Vic's camera on the first base dugout of the gaucho pitchers coming in from the dugout from the bullpen and I noticed that, you can just see it yeah yeah they just okay it's my time to shut this team down and and they do it but Carter I'm just so happy for him yeah, I'm just great. so happy for him yeah and he's you know like all these guys they're such nice guys they're easy guys to root for if you can't root for the gauchos you can't root for people you know I mean they're great great guys Okay, we're going to transition to hitting. Okay, can I ask me about Brett Hours? Like, like <laughs> you're, just, you're just waiting. To, <laughs> so, we, you know, light tower power is, what do you, it's like a, it's a saying, right? It's a, it's it's a term a, that's thrown out there. It's a there. term like to, like to describe the wrong way. It's a superlative, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And Ivan Brett Hour, he proved that he has light tower power on. Friday because he hit the top of the light tower above the scoreboard in left field yeah. with his home run, which was estimated to go between 452 and 460 feet. On Trackman? After wow. the after the with the Trackman numbers. Wow. So he hit it so far that Trackman didn't give us a distance. It just gave us a bunch of numbers. And so Devin turned to me and he goes, yeah, we, we didn't get the distance. And I made a joke about how, how can we rely on technology, all that stuff. It's just my bit. It's just my thing. And I, I hope people aren't annoyed by it. But he said, so they take the spin, they take the trajectory and a couple other metrics to estimate. So they triangulate uh -huh. where it would have landed. And so they landed between 452 and 460 feet. Right. That's, so that's light incredible. tower power. Light tower power. I have a question. Did you guys ever find the ball? I think so because it, it it hit the top of the, of the tower and it came down. And it hit the top of the parking buildings and it probably fell off. So it's, I like that it, when it the parking probably, buildings get hit. The parking services <laughs> buildings get hit. I like that. It's, it's probably, probably give out tickets, folks. 
it's, the ball probably was picked up and it's back in circulation. So I would have given it to him. Uh, yeah, I would have given it to him. Yeah, I would have given it to him. Well, he's hit, he's hit some big home runs oh. uh, as a gaucho uh, so far. Six home runs in the year, 18 RBIs. Both of those. The one he hit at team hasn't landed either. And he, the, the ball he hit on uh, on Sunday in game two against Kyle Pauly, it was a double off the wall, but it, it hit the wall like within a second. Yeah. It was just a rocket. Yeah. And just his, he's so big and he's so fluid with his swing and he has so much power that when he connects, it's just, it, it fooled me the first couple times because the swing is smooth and it's not, it doesn't look like he's, you know, swinging for the fences or swinging for the light no, tower. You're right. He's just so big and strong. But just, it just goes. And so I've gotten used to it now. It's like I can identify it. But the first couple times, it, it kind of caught me off guard as a broadcaster where it's like, oh, oh wait, that's way out of here. Yeah. yeah. Like, no doubt about it. Yes. Like, not even close. I mean, the, the left fielder on Friday for Bakersfield, who was it? Um, uh, da, 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 it's probably uh, Bell. Bell. Yeah. yeah, who hit the three-run homer yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, he took two or three steps and did what the rest of us did and just watched it. Yeah. Looking up. Looking up. He Looking probably up. has a neck ache. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, Ivan... Uh, you know, at Arizona State, I don't know how they missed. I don't know how they missed on him. You know, it could have been. Well, I know Arizona State, and here we are speculating. Mm-hmm. But he had, you know, he had limited appearances, and it, they, it's a, it's a factory down there. We kind of know that Arizona mm-hmm. State. They bring in a lot of guys, and I know a lot of guys transferred in this year, and so maybe they, it was just a difference of opinion. Do you think he'd like to play them? Oh, I think so. I think absolutely. I would, Gauchos would love to play Arizona yeah. State. Bring it on, right? Exactly. Yeah, it helps that RPI. Well, Bob, Bob and I were talking before one of the games over the weekend. It was, I think, it was Saturday, and he asked me like, "How many Gauchos in your time have had light tower power or just raw power?" And so that got me thinking, and I want to ask you this question: In your time watching Santa Barbara baseball, what names come to mind when you think of raw power and light tower power? David Willis and Jared Jenke, but I have to qualify that, Kev, because they played with aluminum bats <laughs> back then, and not, taking nothing away from them. No, 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 were, not at all. These were monsters at the plate. Um, two the hot bat era. ferocious right-handed hitters, two big, imposing, physically imposing people at the plate, but they're playing with these composite bats now, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't they designed to make it safer for, like, a pitcher... And not they, hit the ball quite as hard. They're or designed as far. to mimic exit and you know the ball being hit off the bat like a wood bat. Right was I think what they came up with when they started the BB core type bats. So it's just a different way of measuring how hard the ball is hit uh-huh. off of the bat. And so the the, the prior bats were Besser B E S R. What's the ratio? And the BB core is the new ratio of a pitch ball to a batted ball mm-hmm. and however it is trampolined off the bat. And so the Besser thing was, it was just the metric was higher. The ball would go off higher. Right. And BB core is, was set to mimic more of wood bat. Right. So, and I think in, in the, cause I, I was playing when they made the transition and I remember the first wave of BB core bats for like a year or two were awful. Oh, were they? It was. It felt like hitting with a newspaper. Wow! And and they would break frequently. They would they would rattle. They they didn't get them right. And the the current era of bats is is good. And they and they've probably altered the baseball too. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I don't have any information on that. I know there was the the hot debate in the major leagues about mm-hmm. juicing the baseball or whatever. But uh, the NCAA did go to a lower seam baseball. It's a lot similar to a minor league major. It's not quite a major league ball. It's more similar to a minor league ball, which I think I is good. Right. I think it's good because there's no reason to play with elevated seams at the Division One level, especially no. if you're going to go on to play exactly. in the minors, exactly. the majors. It's a different ball, totally different ball. But the ball is definitely being hit harder mm-hmm. than maybe ten years ago. Yeah. Which I think is I it's great for the game, and I think I think college baseball is in a great place with. Uh, just the, the style of the game, and mm-hmm. I'm just a fan. Personally, I'm a fan of the college sports. Oh, I am like too. Baseball not, and basketball and football screwing the game up by changing all the rules like they are in Major League <laughs> Baseball. 
you that's know, a different conversation. That's a we whole can go different down conversation. that road. But but I'm probably leaving guys out, Kev, when I say Willis and Janky. What about I, uh, Tyler Von Schell or Tyler, Matt Wilkerson? Tyler Von Schell, Matt Wilkerson, great comparisons. But Brett Hour is in that conversation every mm-hmm. day of the week and twice Absolutely. on Sunday. I mean, he is just he's he's playing with the equipment that he's dealt, and he's putting up power numbers in terms of distance and hard hit ball and everything like that, that these guys did 20 years ago mm-hmm. with a different bat. Yeah. And it's just, I haven't, I was remarking to one of the guys on my crew with the, with the video stream. I haven't seen a power hitter like Brett Arrow come through here in a long time. And there have been some really good ones. How about Austin Bush. Austin Bush. Yeah. Yeah, very good comparison, but um, I just... Bushy was different. He was different, and I'm trying to figure out... I'm trying to think how he was different, but he was. Like that home run he hit um, at Vanderbilt. The walk-off against the walk-off Washington. The against Washington. Still hasn't landed. No, still hasn't landed. And I think in the 13th inning it was. 14th, yeah. 14th, 14th inning. Yep. Um, and him dancing down the third baseline, throwing the helmet <laughs> off. <laughs> Seeing this, this big... <laughs> behemoth of a man dancing down the third baseline was that was incredible that was absolutely incredible but again Ivan Bredauer is in that conversation um Bush was obviously a left-handed hitter Bredauer um you know being a right-handed hitter but he's I think he's in that conversation and, and Bush the home run he hit at at um Irvine on that Sunday night baseball game dead, dead center dead center the home yeah. run he hit at Louisville yep you know those those are balls that Brett Hour will hit. Absolutely, you know. And uh, we didn't have lights when when Austin played, obviously. But he would have uh, hit a few light he, towers. He, he would have hit a few light towers. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's that's a great one to bring up. Hundred percent. But the ones I'm bringing towers. up from way back when played with aluminum bats, and they would hit balls. Um, Willis would hit balls routinely over those trees in left field, over them. And you know, I mean, I think. I think Ivan shot the other day. Obviously, would have cleared all those trees, and I haven't seen anything like that, Kev, since those guys back in the day. Okay. I haven't seen anything like that. It was a spectacle because yeah, and it, it, the, the 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 pole gives you a reference point because like you know where the pole is. It's behind the the, the scoreboard, right? And they're they're about a hundred feet tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's between eighty and a hundred feet, if I remember correctly. And he hit it, you know, top quad, top a quarter of the way up. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. And he didn't really look at it, did he? He didn't really. St- he knew it was gone. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Um, he didn't stare it down at home plate. He just. But I loved. I loved Xander Darby on uh, what was it Z- Friday? He hits the home run, and Xander did the moonwalk to first base. <laughs> <laughs> Z cracks me up. Oh, me too. But he hit that one a ton. That went into that that power plant back mm-hmm. there in right field. And mm-hmm. that's Josh Williams' territory. Yep, yep. <laughs> Josh is a, Josh is another great hitter too. I I love it when we get to see Josh out there. No, there's, there's a lot of talent in this lineup, and you haven't really seen Jared Sundstrom in his in his in no? his true form because he had he had the two homer game at Oregon and he had the big home run uh, in Arizona, and you know he's he's ready when he gets in there. But Jared Sundstrom is another guy who has had opportunities, taken advantage, and is just not, not everybody can play right each and every day. I mean, you know, Brock has been in and out of the lineup. His home run yesterday was, was like the poly home run last mm-hmm. week where it was into the jet stream yep. opposite field. So he's starting to come alive a little bit. Which he's got three great. homers, 11 RBIs. And when Brock hits him, there's no doubt about oh, it. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, all, he's There's another one who can uh-huh. hit it a long way. And uh, and I think pitchers are, I think they're pitching him correctly. I think pitching up in the zone to Brock is the way to try to get him out, you know, um, with hard stuff. But when he connects, it's it's a majestic shot. Yeah. When he and he's chasing down the the career home run record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's got he's got 34 right now, and the record is 42, set mm-hmm. by Matt Wilkerson. So yeah, he's a. Uh, Still got plenty of time to do it. Yeah. So we're on we're on home run watch. We're on home run watch with with, with, with Brock Morton. With Brock. And, yes. and I love it. And I listened to your call. It was a great call yesterday, the home run, and you were you had just talked about the wind blowing out to left field. And I thought, you know, how strong, even with some wind, do you have to hit a baseball the other way to get it out? And you know, three thirty five down the line here and what is it, three is it three eighty to the power alleys? Three eighty five. Where he where he hit it, you know, it's probably three sixty, three seventy, something. The other like that. way. Yep. 
I mean, that takes a lot of strength. Hey, how about how about Kurtley robbing the home run pretty much in yeah. that same spot? Yeah, and you brought up a good comparison to Kurtley uh, last season when he at Davis mm-hmm. when he went up and and, and that, that was, was un- that was unbelievable. That was two outs in the ninth <laughs> inning. <laughs> that was that was a, literally a game saver. But uh, no, I listened to your call. I didn't see it. I listened to the call on on Kurtley's play out there, and he's become a really good left fielder. I think. You know, and there's another one that can hit the ball a long way. That's another thing. That's that. It's a funny bit. It's like it's a secret that Christian Kirtley's a good outfielder because mm-hmm. he makes diving catches. Yeah. There was there was even one where we, I think me and Bob were, were on the telecast, and I made some comment about Kirtley. Like, watch out, you know, Kirtley. He's he may not look like a burner out there, but he gets good jumps. He gets and then and jumps. then like the next batter hit one in the gap, and he made a diving catch yep. or something like that. Yep. So Kirtley Kirtley's been known. He's fully capable and, outfielder. And I think he's going to break out of his slump that he's in. I Me think too. he's too good of a hitter to, to be slumping. And and another thing, before we close the book on Ivan Bredhauer, that arm of his is fun to watch. I mean, I know that he's, he's... He wants another shot at that one. He wants another shot at that base hit to right field where he, his throw to home was up the third baseline a little bit. He, he'd like that again. I'd like to see that one again. He's going to throw somebody out this year. Oh. He will. Oh, he's – and I, I think it's going to get to the point where guys aren't going to challenge that arm, you know. That's a weapon. Yeah, and that's got to be in a scouting report playing the Gauchos that, you know, third-base coaches are going to probably think twice about sending a guy, especially if it's a guy who doesn't have the greatest speed in the world. But you're you're dead at the plate if you challenge that arm and you don't get a good jump off of second. You're, you're not going to make it. That's right. So we've covered outstanding starting pitching, quality bullpen, light tower power. Mm-hmm. We don't have to cover the speed because sketches are 35 or 45 in stolen base attempts, and they've used the running game a yeah. lot. And it's I been, love the way and it's been effective. And I love the way he and it's fun. Uh, but how has fall productions been? You got some new, you got some new, uh, some new bodies here, and and the stream has been great. Well, thank you. We've had we've got some new cameras too, so they're. Um they're what's called 1080p Kev, where we used to broadcast in 720 uh-huh. and so it's a it's a big uh, upgrade in video quality and with these lights being as good as they are I mean I love the video quality at night especially it really it really stands out I think but I mean we've got a great crew you know you're part of it when you do the broadcasts um, we just love it you know, I will be honest with you. I get nervous because Vic is on the first base. We need out. real camera wells. And yeah, and Grace <laughs> is on the third base dugout, and they're not protected by a net. How come we don't have nets? We should put nets up there. I don't want to have them shoot through a net because it well, just not looks... or something where like it's a square and we cut a hole through the middle and, and you stick the camera through. Yeah, yeah, I would love something like that. <laughs> I'm gonna see if Coach Checkets will go for that. <laughs> I but that's the only thing that makes me nervous, and I know it makes Coach nervous too, because he's come out a couple times from the third base dugout to check on Grace to make sure that like, after, you good? <laughs> yeah, after a bullet has Just gone over by. her head or by her <laughs> or something like that. But these guys hit the ball. I don't think, unless you follow, you know, college baseball closely like we do, I don't think people realize how hard they hit the ball. I mean, they're up there with major league. Hitters. Hundred miles an hour is is hundred miles an yeah. hour. Yeah. There, I mean, and you told me Brett Hour's ball was 108 miles an hour. Yep. I mean, major league hitters are happy to hit 108 miles an hour, you know, and uh, it's it it can be. So that's the only thing that makes me nervous is, is those two on the on the can, on the dugouts where they're not protected. But knock on wood, you know, and the grace of God and everything like that, nothing has happened. But I just I do worry about that. But we're we're having a great time with with the production i mean you guys are awesome the baseball program is awesome to deal with you know as far as the support um tim bomb Stieg is awesome to deal with uh with men's soccer you know support is great paul stump bonnie hendrickson coach basternick you know they're all great and they all support us so that that uh that's really a plus well and, I, and the I, coverage I, is it's there's a lot of great athletes at this school yeah, it's not just on this baseball field. It's on that. It's in that soccer stadium. It's in that gym. It's in the T Dome. Mm-hmm. It's in Rob Gym. Like, and everybody's getting everybody's getting yeah, exposure. McLaughlin, Coach McLaughlin's great. Mm-hmm. Our new the softball pool. staff is awesome. Even the pool. The pool. The pool's great. You know, um, we just covered a water polo game over there. A women's water polo game that was a lot of fun. So it's, and I, you know, thanks to Kelly Barsky, our athletic director, and Tom Hastings, our deputy athletic director. I mean, they're 
great supporters also. So we really thank them. Well, and, and we've had a lot of success because, you know, men's soccer, they went to Elite Eight a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. The, the counselors here, baseball, they've won a couple of conference championships. Coach P and men's hoops, they've been to two NCAA tournaments in the last three years. Right. Uh, Bonnie's really turned things around with women's hoops. They lost in the championship game in the conference tournament yeah, by heartbreaking. two. Heartbreaker yeah. against Hawaii. And then, you know, water polo routinely ex- exceptional. Yes. And uh, men's volleyball are not having a great year, but they've had great teams under Coach Exactly, McLaughlin. and they're so hurt. Yeah. Kev, they it's, are so it's tough to play. Tough to play when you don't have all your – Oh yeah, your main guys, and you've got a six nine guy as a middle blocker who's who's never been a middle. He's been a setter. You know who I, I who I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see women's softball. Yeah, they're Joe doing, Evans. Joe's great, and, and she's so nice. And, and women's softball, they're fourteen and eight. I know, I know. What a turnaround that's been. And fourteen it, and eight after they beat Hawaii on Friday. Right. I, I can update that if, if when you comment on this. Go ahead. But what a turnaround. And if she's not up for Big West Conference Coach of the Year right now, I mean, right. even though they, they have the conference season ahead of them, if she's not up for Conference Coach of the Year, I mean, throw the throw the award over the bridge. You know, that's – she's – but she's so nice. And the staff is so nice to us. I mean, they – and you know what it's like, Kev. When you introduce yourself to somebody, a lot of times they can't remember your name. It's for a million bucks. They can't remember your name. We are uh, human. We are human. A number of my people – on the crew introduced themselves to her and I introduced myself to her and one time she went okay Jerry Danny Eddie Vic that's why she's in the Hall of Fame and she got it right the first time and ever since then it's hi Jerry hi Vic hi Eddie hi Danny hi Grace you know hi Carlos um she remembers all our names and, and she doesn't have enough to think about you know, I mean, I mean, the next the next road trip. I can't remember our guys' names half the time, yeah. <laughs> but I she's very impressive. That's a great hire by Kelly Barsky. That's a great hire. What are we doing out in left field? We got a little. Uh, uh, no, they're they're, they're trying that. to they're they're trying to get on the uh, the pitcher. I got to get in his head. I got uh, you. Still doing live hitters out here. Well, is that two guys that were roaring or more than that? Probably more than two. Okay, I was well, gonna say. So they they dropped two or three in Hawaii, but got a win. So fourteen and ten. Uh, they will be. This is women's softball. They'll be at UC San Diego, but they have uh, their first Big West home series April first here, April first against Cal Poly. Yeah. So, I mean, at fourteen and ten, like they're they're turning things around. They, it's gonna be fun. I want to I want to watch some softball and this it w- year. It's too bad that they play on the at the same time the baseball team plays because I think the baseball players would be great to go out and support oh, them. Hundred percent. But you can't. I mean, they're well, we could night games. That's true. Night games for baseball. They're playing day games. That's true. Yeah, think Diamond, about that. So. That's true. That's true. And there are a few times where they're home at the same time, right? I think there's only a yes. couple instances like that where they're home at the same time. But, um, no, Joe's wonderful. She's Kelly made a great hire there. Welcome addition Yeah, to the, to the team. Well, uh, it's been great sitting with you, Jerry. You too, Kev. Uh, Thanks for having me. CSUN this weekend. Eddie Corneo. Eddie Corneo coming to town. And at, so we had Quinn Hawksworth, David Tillotson for – for Bakersfield mm-hmm. here this weekend. Uh, you didn't see him, but we saw Matt Fontino, who's up at Cal Poly. Mm-hmm. We'll see Neil Walton when we go down to Fullerton. We'll see Matt Harvey and Ryan Bob when we go down to UC San Diego. San Diego. I've, I've been here so long, Jerry, that I know all the coaches in the conference. In, in the conference. <laughs> well, we're glad you've been here that long. We're <laughs> which glad is, you've been here. But Eddie used to be cool. an assistant under Coach Jackets, yeah. and now he's the head coach. Congratulations to him. It's, it's about time. He's, yeah. he's been wanting this for a long time, and it's going to be great to see him. And yeah, CSUN, they're off to a good start, 11-4. and four. Yeah, I was going to say, 11-4, and four, they're, they're playing really well. You know, I always knew he'd be a really good head coach. They have, they have three quality starters. Uh, they always have some good bats. Um, so it's going to be a good test uh, for, hope, for Santa Barbara this I weekend. I hope the fans can come out and support the Gauchos. It's going to be sunny. Yes, for it's, a change. We're going we're gonna, to – guess what? We have mo- another Tuesday of rain. Yeah, and I'm glad you guys aren't playing tomorrow because that would have <laughs> – that would be so hard to get that in. And they're expecting a lot of rain again tomorrow, and, and let's let's have that be it. Now, I mean, we, we're done. We're starved for rain we're in done. Southern California, usually year in and year out. But it's April. It's almost April. We've, we've had, had enough. enough. <laughs> we've had enough. We've had enough. But thank you for having me, Kevin. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you at the yard on Friday. Absolutely. All right, ESPN you, Plus, and then uh, I'll be on the radio and whenever you need me. You got it. Whenever you need me, we'll I'm have here. you. We'll have you back. You're wonderful. All right. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Kim.
Gotcha Analytics is here for our Player of the Week draft after week number five. And our scores after this week's vote with Devin dominating the vote. Three, three points. Isaiah came in second. He gets two. And I came in last. So I get one. So the standings currently, Isaiah takes the lead. He's got nine points. Kevin sits in second with eight. And Devin in third with seven points. So got to sweep Bakersfield. So this vote has to do with just the three games over the weekend because we did the LMU. We included the LMU Monday game in last week's pod. So just three games to choose from, but there were definitely some uh, moments and there were some heroes. Um, whenever you win three games in a weekend, there's going to be moments and heroes. So I get first pick for player of the week, moment of the week, and best pitch. Devin gets first pick for pitcher of the week and hardest hit ball of the week. And for my player of the week, I'm going to pick Xander Darby because he was nominated for Big West Player of the Week by Gaucho Coaching Staff. He was three for eight, two homers, four RBIs. He walked four times, hit 375, slugged uh, 1125, scored five runs, stole a base. And he was a big reason why Gauchos came out with those three wins because he hit the three-run homer to break the scoreless tie on Friday. And then he hit the first of those two home runs in the third inning when the Gauchos were trailing by two on Sunday. So Big Z is my pick. Isaiah? All right. Next pick, I'm going to go the big lefty, Rock Mortensen. Went deep yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Sorry. Finals got my brain a little fright there. Yes, a ball oppo taco, big lefty. Like I said, Homer batted 375, two RBIs on the day. Uh, so yeah, give me Brock. Uh, with my offensive player of the week, I'm going with Ivan Brower. Four for 13, hit 308, 357, 538, had a moonshot home run to left field. And then to top it all off, he ended the weekend with a walk-off line drive single for us. So that's why Ivan's my my player of the week, offensive player of the week. Okay, strong picks. Weren't too many runs scored this weekend, just five run, or uh, sorry, 14 runs. But the Gauchos hit five homers. Unusual week because no doubles. Gauchos have been hitting a lot of doubles, but no doubles this weekend with the five home runs. And uh, three wins, of course. So that's important. Um, okay, let's move on to pitcher of the week, starting with Devin. Yeah, so I'm going with our Friday starter, Michael Gutierrez. Uh, seven innings pitched, six strikeouts, no walks, zero earned runs, which, I mean, easy calculation of a zero ERA and then a 0.71 whip. I felt like that was necessary <laughs> to give you guys one of those basic calculations. On this episode, keep uh, keep hitting us with those, Devin. Thank you. Keep hitting <laughs> us with those. It's great. All right, I w- we'll do. We'll do. All right, Isaiah. All right. I'm gonna go with Hudson Bear, staying dominant out of the bullpen. Four innings pitch in a third, two hits only allowed. I believe no runs. Yep, no runs. Six strikeouts. Got a save on Friday on Goody's start day. I mean, Barrett just keeps staying dominant out of bullpen. Huge upside for us. Yeah, and pitching twice, only got to throw twice this weekend. He was six up, six down for the save on Friday. And then yesterday, I think he he probably could have pitched out of the ninth. Gone to hole. Yeah, yeah, but it was Sam Whiting who came in to get the last two outs. Uh, So Sam wound up getting the win, but Hudson – was close to getting a win and a save again uh, on the weekend. So good pick. That was going to be my pick. I was going to go with Hudson. So I guess I'm going to have to settle for Matt Ager, who went seven and two-thirds, six hits, two runs, no walks, eight strikeouts uh, in the win on Saturday. So Matty keep doing, keeps doing his thing, uh, pitching on Saturdays, uh, racking up strikeouts, and only uh, two walks on the weekend combined uh with from the pitching staff and those came on sunday 
30 punch outs. So excellent job Huge. on the hill. Yes. Mm, moment of the week. And I'm 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 psyched that I'm going first. I kind of wanted to go last to see if you guys would pick this one. But I I feel like I might know Nick. Because I know you you've liked to go the defensive route recently. So I don't I don't want to say it, but I'll just say I think it's something defensive. Yeah. My moment of the week is John Newman's bunt single in the ninth inning. Oh, that thought you were going. That rolled up the third baseline and it stayed fair right on the line. It rolled true, just like we planned it out. The field crew, we rake those baselines with intent. We stay on the details. And when John dropped that bunt down, it wasn't rolling foul because we make sure that our baselines are flat. And so I'm taking partial credit for that base hit. Nicely done, John Newman. Got a lot of a lot of points and a lot of credit after that. Looking looking out at the dugout, a lot of guys were keeping their head yeah. out, looking up at you. So that, that's my moment of the week. The uh, the bunt single that stayed fair uh, on the third baseline because uh, we take care of our field. So I was psyched about that. Isaiah. All right. I'm going to stay offensive here. And I'm going to go to the point of the game on Friday. We're 0-0. Xander Darby's up. Everyone in the broadcast booth, especially ESPN, going, oh, you got to think Sander Darby's going to bunt here after a mound visit, blah, blah, blah. First pitch just absolutely annihilates it. No doubt a right field jumps. The blue gets mad at Xander for not running. I mean, come on. It was a no doubter from Xander. So give me that one. Three game winning, winning home run, leading home run. Xander Darby moment. He was pretty psyched. I I heard someone say that he was moonwalking up the first baseline after he was jumping in the air. <laughs> he was like he was like a starfish in the air, hands pointed to the sky, feet out wide, yes. <laughs> starfish. Okay, Devin. Honestly, those were two good picks. Honestly, thought my number one choice is still on the board. Yep. So I know it's um, obvious. It's the obvious pick at this point. Yeah, it's obvious here. But... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I chose him for the offensive player of the week, and so I'm gonna double down and go with the Ivan Bradauer walk off. Uh, not only did it was it our first walk off of the season, it also capped our off a sweep weekend on the first weekend of conference play. So it was just like a lot in one play right there. The sweep. Like first conference series win of the year, first walk off. So that's why I got the Broward line drive and walk off as my moment of the week. But you didn't think that was going to fall to you, Devin? No, I didn't. Honestly, what I thought the pick I was going to get and I was going to be happy with it was the the Ager Jeter defensive play. Yeah, I, think was, it was, I did have that on the board. I did. The have seventh the inning, the I don't remember if it was a bunt or just a weak ground ball where he down the third baseline where he just bare hands it and kind of like jump throws the first base, got him. And then the whole infield was smiling and giggling as they were running into the dugout. And... Swinging bunt. <laughs> yeah, it was a swinging bunt. Yeah. And then Brett Auer, Brett Auer made the catch with uh, with a runner on late in the game uh, on Sunday, made the diving catch. Curtly robbing a home yeah. run. Yeah. There were, there were moments. There were moments to be picked. Yes. Definitely. I mean, without question, the bunt single that stays fair on the line because we rake the baselines is the yeah. Most Un- week. Unfortunate that like the one weekend we have a ton of defensive, good defensive plays, none of them are able to make it. Into the- <laughs> <laughs> once once again, I haven't bred our just dominating, dominating this draft. So let's move yeah. on to uh, let's move on to hardest hit because. Because yeah, I'm, so let's hear the Ivan Bread yeah, hour. Let's I mean, it. I'm, I'm, yeah. tri- I am tripling down. I'm hoping that <laughs> Ivan Bread hours has a massive Twitter following, or that our followers on Twitter <laughs> well, love this draft. I, it's gonna hurt me or help me, but I'm going Bread hour home run. Because which first one? Thing, oh yeah, the only one. That's right. It was the hardest hit ball that, um, on the weekend at 110. Point, I think 88, so 110.9 miles per hour. It was hit so far that it broke the track. It didn't break, but the trackman malfunctioned. And so we had to do some number crunching and estimate a distance, which gave us around 
452 to 460 feet. And if that, those calculations are correct and accurate, that would give us the farthest hit home run on the season. And probably one of the farthest hit home runs I think I've seen here at home. So I got Brett Hour's home run as my hit of the week. Light tower power, literally. Yeah. Off the light exactly. tower. Yeah, pretty epic. Good stuff. That was the obvious number one pick there. What's the what's the number number two pick? Let's hope Xander Darby has some fence. Doubling down, sub Xander Darby, Homer said <laughs> in the moment. Let's get it a hardest hit ball. It's 108.6. It's 109. We like to round numbers here. So we'll say 109 for Xander Darby. Get him on the board. For a guy that I usually suspects that people are or he's going to bunt. No, Ferg believed in him. I mean, big power, big power guy, Darby. Don't sleep on that guy now. He's a strong, he's a strong young man. Both of those guys are. So I'm left with the third pick here. I'll go, uh, I'll go Curtly. Curtly's homer, because I, I thought it was going to hit the light tower for the second day in a row uh, on the call. Uh, but his home run in the first inning on Saturday, which was uh, 106.4 off the bat, uh, two-run shot, which got the scoring going. It's not in the top uh, five on the list, but it was a uh, it was a homer and it was high and deep and thought it was going to hit the light tower, but he just he missed it to the right just a little bit. So that was also another one that the trackman malfunctioned for because it was hit at such a high and. Mm-hmm. Hard angle, I think that it's it's got a the, our trackman's got a weak spot for for left field crushed home runs. <laughs> probably four forty, something like that. Yeah, probably around there, if not more. All right, let's move on to best pitch. Final category. You know, I'm I love changeups, so I'm going Goody changeup. He threw it thirty three times. 50% 50% of K's I need help with this with these hieroglyphics uh, I'll, right. I'll explain your pick for you hand, 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 hand. <laughs> let me explain the ones that I know uh, 63.6% <laughs> strike percentage whiff percentage was 21.2 that was the, the second best of the weekend uh, batting average against is 222 uh, number of K's so he, he struck out three batters on the changeup Percentage right. of strikes with pitch. Explain this. 50%. That percent. So yeah, what's that? He one? had six he had six strikeouts. And so three of them were on the changeup. Fifty percent of his fifty percent of his strikeouts oh, came off. Oh, oh came off the changeup. Got it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Second pick. Isaiah. Give me uh, give me a bearish changeup. Three Ks with his changeup. We'll stick with the changeup. Uh, half of his Ks were with the changeup through 57% of the time for a strike and on the whiff percentage, 35%. Yep. Okay. Last pick uh, of the week. So this like has a little more to it than I even realized until I talked to, to Xander before this. Bremner's fastball. So he threw it 25 times. Three of his five strikeouts came from it. He threw it for a strike only 48.6% of the time. But the crazy stat is that he didn't get a single swing and miss on it, but yet his called strike and whiff percentage was 48%. So half the time he threw his fastball, the hitter just watched. He had one at-bat where it was three straight fastballs, all like just watched all three go by him for uh, strike looking. And then not a single batting average of zero on base zero slugging zero against this pitch. I mean, he may not have gotten a lot of swing and misses on this if uh, he actually didn't get any, but he somehow managed to just not get any swings really on this pitch. So <laughs> that's why it was my pitch of the week. It was somehow quietly dominant, but not at the same time. Okay. Good description there. Good mm-hmm. description. Okay. That's the draft. Go out and vote. SB baseball data on Twitter. What are do you have the the Twitter numbers? Like, have we gone up in votes each week, or have they stayed the same? Yeah, I, I think the I would first. Have, I don't have the exact up. numbers. How many we, votes did we I have, have last week? How many votes did we have this past we had, week? We had 37, 35 votes this last week. 
No wonder 25 I only had 25 votes before. Um, 38 uh, the week before that. And I think Oregon was our first. Was Oregon our first weekend we did? Then 52 votes the very first time. So I think, I think when we didn't, we haven't posted much at the beginning of the year. So when people saw our posts, they interacted with it more. But now that we're super active, it seems people like just, it's less they interactive. They just scroll by it. Scroll right by it. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's try and let's let's set a mini goal. Let's try and get past fifty votes this week. Ooh, that's the goal. That's the goal. All right, Devin Cost, Isaiah Ochoa. Nice work on the uh, on the draft. See you at the yard. Good work. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. All right. Thank you to our great sponsor. Kyle's Kitchen. Thank you to Jerry Fall, the great Jerry Fall. Uh, so great catching up with him. Hope you've enjoyed watching the streams, uh, listening to Jerry and Bob uh, and myself. Uh, you'll be getting a lot more of that uh, throughout the year. And uh, thank you to Devin and Isaiah. It is finals week, so no midweek game. We will be at Caesar Wasaka Stadium for three games this weekend against CSUN. Matadors are 11-4, and four. they do play a game on Monday night, so we'll see the result uh, of that game, but should be a good series. Uh, head coach Eddie Cornejo, first year as head coach uh, at uh, Northridge, so uh, it'll be fun. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Gosh 9 Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you at the ballpark. It should be bright and sunny, and uh, have a great week.